Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hi, I'm David Colfart, and uh, well, actually, we've been doing this, Eddie, for a few few weeks now, so why don't you do the intro for a change? Arr, welcome to Formula for Success, a weekly chat about Formula One and much more with Eddie Jordan and my favourite Scottish person, DC. Why do you have to say Eddie Jordan? Because it's in the script. <laughs> Okay, well... No, start it again then. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off, why is it in there? No, 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 it's fine. I was, uh, I was taking the piss. Let's, let's do it again so we've got another one. But are you happy with the R? Oh, it's perfect. It was absolutely perfect. This time, put some emotion into it, some passion. Push some push. Okay. Hello, I'm David Colthard, and, well, actually, AJ, we've been doing this podcast for a few weeks now, so uh, why don't you do the intro for a change? Arr! Welcome to the Formula for Success. <laughs> A weekly chat about Formula One and much more with my favourite Scottish person, DC. And it's you, Eddie Jordan. We're live. We're looking at each other. We're in the same room. I know. It's great, isn't it? We're, let's see if we can beat a record. We did 20-odd minutes in the same room last time. Let's see it, if we it, can go for the full I podcast. I promise you, I never thought I would make it that distance. Let's see if we can make it more. I think, actually, there's an element of, you know, there's obviously a bit of an age gap between us. You know, you must be a good, what, 35, 40 years older than oh, me? Oh, minimum. Minimum. Probably more. <laughs> <laughs> about a similar age gap spirits. between you and your new girlfriend, I suppose. Was that 40 years? No, no, no. It's, it's at least half that. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Look, you're an absolute natural at this. So uh, it is genuinely good to be back in the room with you again. So in a little while, we're going to be answering some of the questions that our listeners have been sending in. And at the end of the show, EJ, you're going to play as the new and improved version of our theme tune. Uh, yeah, with pleasure. I, I loved it. Um, we've added, we've had more time to look at it. It's not perfect, but then no one's music and no producer in the world ever thinks that their song is perfect. It's the listeners and the people who buy the albums and the music and stuff. They're the people who decide. And um, so let's see what happens. Could, could this be the first single on an album? Um, no, sir. David, Formula for Success album. Been, well, I'm we talked I've got last week about the spiritual cowboys. I remember doing uh, going up to Sheffield and spending a couple of days in the studios, rattling one song out after another. And we have uh, about ten, ten songs on an album, but it needs maybe twelve. I never got finished. But you know that was fun, and it was a pity because um, the guy that was with us on that, if you're if you're happy to listen to, Chris Thomas was the guy that I set it up with. And Chris Thomas, if anyone who out there is in the music business will realise that he's probably the all-time greatest producer uh, on this planet. It did a, you were at Elton a couple of weeks ago, and so he did all of Elton's stuff. He did Dark Side of the Moon. He did wow. uh, River um, Lion King. He did 
All In Excess, he did the Pretenders, Pulp. I just can't imagine he did uh, an album for, for U2. Chris Thomas, guys, he's a name. Just have a look and Google him up and see how unbelievable. He's also, if you remember, the and Beatles. And he produced some of your music. He played. He was my. Oh, he was my. Co- what actually happened was, because he was a producer, he said, "I'm absolutely in love with motor racing." And I said, "Well, you know, I'm absolutely in love with. Why don't we do a little band together?" That's how the original V10 came together, and uh, it's remarkable. And for those aficionados at home, Lady Madonna, that famous Beatle piece on the, the harpsichord, Chris Thomas. Wow. I do know a bit about music, I'm afraid. Yeah. Probably more than I do about motor racing. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you, difficult. You, you've never been shy at doing, doing some name dropping as well. So uh, we normally have a little section where we delve into your little black book and your celebrity friends. So who are you going to tell us about this week other well, than Chris Thomas? Not, you, you creep into the back end of this story. Do I? Yes. Oh, do so I, you're you're going to share the spotlight. Well, uh, a most wonderful, wonderful girl. She's a patron for a charity that I was a, a trustee and a patron of, which is called Click Cancer Leukemia in Children. And we were extraordinarily lucky. We, we got about 11, 12 million pounds raised over a number of years. And we built those three houses beside UCLH uh, for mothers and fathers of kids who were getting treatment so as they could stay and be close to their family. So it's a magic cause. And out of the blue, at the opening of one of the homes, uh, was this girl, and I kind of recognised her. And, and of course, it was Charlene Spiteri. So not being shy, I went to her and I said, what are you doing later? And she said, well, I'm going... She married this very big-time celebrity chef, and they were going out to dinner. And I said, no, that's what you thought you were doing. You're coming to Marco Pierre White um, because Click are having uh, a Grand Prix ball. Uh, or Formula One ball um, to raise money for the charity and would you like to come? And she said, let me ring you back later. And I thought, you know, the usual thing is ring you back later. Thanks, but no thanks. What time is it at and when can I be there? And she was there. We went into a little back room, which I actually thought was a toilet and she played one or two songs on a phone out loud and that's what we had that was our that was our rehearsal to see how it went and she was so professional so amazing so that was the first part of that then she had to endure me again having done all of that for the charity um we're in the middle of the drakensberg in uh, cape town not cape town over near durban um in south africa and there was um Chris Evans, Matt LeBlanc and myself were given three cars um, to see how quickly we could get to this, the tallest pub in, in Africa, in Lesotho. And, um, but we were given co-drivers. And I remember Tiny Temper was on top of the world and I think he had some about 13 number ones. He was with uh, Matt and C6 Steve was with, with Chris Evans and I got... Uh, Charlene Spiteri, to my absolute joy. But I must have got carried away. I must Something must have gone off in my, in my body or something, but I kept crashing the car. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing strange there. Yeah. But Charlene was just in a divine person. But I wrote the car off and then I crashed the, the replacement car. Not, not totally bad. So I think the, the director and the producers of the program decided enough is enough. Uh, Charlene, would you like to drive this car? So she took over. Um, yeah. She was amazing. And then while you creep in, 
you just creep in at the easy time. She, Texas, were playing uh, at the Grand Prix crowd, you know, 80, 100,000 people uh, adoring her, and she's such an amazing... I just love girl artists, by the way, because I think they've got something much more than men. They've got a, a, a very significant punk element to the way they sound. Uh, and I just digress here for a second. If you think about Blondie, if you think about uh, Dolores Ridden from The Cranberries, if you think about uh, Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders and Florence and the Machine. They're just amazing artists. So for me, I adore this kind of thing. Um, anyway, she sang a great set and you and I were asked to come up. I played the drums. I think you m- m- jumped around the place with a tambourine or something. Yeah, they gave it? me a tambourine, uh, which anyone who was there will know that I don't really have rhythm or timing. So I... I but then the thing is, with a tambourine, you can't even pretend not to hit it because those little things jingle on the side of it. Yeah, but if you... If you watch a really good tambourine player, you will die. Elton used to have one, and um, they can make it sing. It, it's it's such a uh, it's a bit like the spoons. You can do remarkable things with a tambourine. I think we've got a wee message from Charlene. So, um, the, the, the great Scottish lady with a very Italian sounding name. So let's listen to uh, a few words from Charlene. Eddie Jordan and David Coulthard, you pair of nutters. Love you both to bits. Eddie, driving with you was an absolute pleasure. I learned so much. And I remember you saying that I'd be okay because I don't hold the wheel tight, which scared the, the living daylights out of me thinking, I hope he's going to hold the bloody wheel tight. Anyway, love to both of you. See you soon. Bye. What a lovely message. I think she... Lovely lady. She is a lovely lady and what a great artist, but... Uh, I thought you were going to ask me about why did I say to her about holding something tight? Well, I, I, now you brought it up, why did you say that to her? Well, it's, it's an interesting story that people... Every racing driver that comes in a car, and I think it was John Watson pointed this out to me, you, you treat the steering wheel as it's like a feather. Uh, so as soon as you see a driver gripping something too tight, then you realise that there's too much tension, they're never going to steer the car, they're never going to do things. If you look at any great golfer, they barely hold the shaft. If you look at a tennis player, it's the same thing. If you look at a drummer or a musician, nothing is ever stressed or strained. So please out there remember, whatever instrument you have with you, whether it's a car or whether it's a, a musical instrument or any walk of life, just be very gentle with what you're doing because you'll get much more out of it if you take it gently. There you go. The ABCs of driving from Eddie Jordan. No, I never said it was to do with the driving, but, <laughs> but you can imagine when you're a young kid and you're 18 and you're given a great chance in the thing, the first thing you do is hold the thing too tight and um, you're too tight in yourself and just take deep breath and just... Let it all go. Wise words. It's quite actually soothing seeing you take a deep breath and then exhale. Yeah, not often. For a moment, you looked almost serene. Right, it's time to move on. And uh, as promised, we have some questions that have been coming in. Remember, you can get in contact with us by emailing ffs at whisper.tv or via social media at F1 for success. I did like this one from Alex Gilbert. Or maybe it's Gilbert, but I'm not quite sure. But I've given him a wee French twist. Gilbert. Gilbert. Alex Gilbert. So he goes, hello there. Before I even get into a question or thought, I just want to say you both are my absolute favourite people in the world, beyond my wife and family, of course. And to have you both hosting a podcast is the gift I never knew I needed in my life. (laughs) Mr. Jordan. This guy's a sad one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, Mr. Jordan, he's being very official. You are my all-time top hero. 
Sorry, DC. That's okay. I get that. You know, Eddie's earned, earned a few more decades on planet Earth, so he can have that. His question is, with an unlimited budget and zero restrictions, if you could do anything in Formula One right now, what would that thing be? Adding, removing, or amending something? Oh, where would I start? God, that's a super question. Man, the intro into that is a bit... Uh bit demanding but anyway well done for the question um look i'm old-fashioned and i said that over before I, I tell you what i miss in formula one david i miss the noise and i think that the sooner or better we go back to even when they were the cause where it's the vh or whatever but the v10s were something special that i thought it was the most unbelievable part of uh, formula one for me yes i like the new safety features i get rid of some of the stewards because i think there should be a rule where the at stewards. Le- i think some of the stewards i think 50 okay. percent stewards there for a minute i was gonna say so jackie is <laughs> no no jackie is different he's proper he's proper he's won a, a lot more world championships than you and i have ever done or even looked at or dreamt about but um the fact is that i think that there are too many little areas cropping up and i think 50 percent of the stewards have had to have driven cars or understand the rules or hopefully formula one cars but just having one driver representative is not enough i really feel that at the moment we are in danger of going down the route i keep being asked please eddie can you help me understand what went on in Australia. Can you help me what went on in Abu Dhabi? People, do people still ask you what happened in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, I, I get that very often. And but you don't can... you think we have an obligation to our listeners and we need to tell the people what's happening because they are confused like hell. They don't understand. Yeah, I think it's a, it's an age-old issue where you've got the regulating body, which is the FIA, which, which take care of the rules and regs, and you've got the commercial rights holder, which is owned by Liberty. And then you've got the teams that enter and benefit from the financial rewards that are here in Formula One. And provide the show. And provide the show. But I do think um, it is always going to be difficult to be the referees. There's no question. You're never going to please everybody. That's right. Um, but I do think the need to have a more open mind that we are an entertainment show. Yes, they've got regulations and jurisdictions that they have to follow and they have to be super careful. They're dealing with people's lives and, and we should remember that we've, we've lost some amazing talents over the years. But putting all that to one side, I do think we've got to remember there's a show and things like, you mentioned Australia, the half an hour wait to do a one lap restart where no one can overtake. That is not entertainment. That is disappointing. It's purgatory. I didn't feel good. I wanted to turn it off because, you know, coming out one lap, you knew what the result was going to be. The race was over. It was a nonsense. But David, I have a question for you. I need to know the answer to this. Can you please explain to me, what is the difference? What's the point of having a virtual safety car, which does the perfect situation? It drops the speeds of the cars down to a normal speed. And then because they think it might be nicer to bottle it all up together again, oh no, send a safety car out and they're all together. In my day, it used to be an aggregate. The race was stopped. Your time was published. You saw what your time was. Yes, you got your grid positions as to where you were at the time, but there was a difference. It wasn't a straight race again over the next 10 laps because that makes a mockery of it because the first part counts for nothing. Please explain. Well, if you can, if you can explain to me what the question is, I'll explain. But you're not listening to me. I was, but at no point did I understand the question. The question is, what happened to the situation when a race gets stopped, the time from the first uh, half okay, right. should be added to the time of the second yeah, half? Well, that is not the case anymore. It's not because rules get amended and that particular rule has been 
overwritten. Well, and I, I suspect it was when a race that I led up until a couple of laps before the pit stop in Brazil. So I led more laps than anyone else. I pitted. Then there was a huge crash that involved Fernando Alonso, Mark Webber. The beneficiary of that yes, was on. you with Fisichella. <laughs> exactly. I thought he'd and, never get around to it. <laughs> and I was, I was robbed of a race victory because the... the through the, because we you don't have a the... word with Ron Dennis because he's a dick. He absolutely <laughs> made the wrong call. He we should, should have known. Yeah, we should he have should have known that the race would always go to 75%. Yes. And you didn't have enough fuel in the car because your engineers were not thinking through their head. That's why. Okay, we did make a mistake. But in that situation... That's why you lost. Blame them. In that situation, calling a 75% race distance was, was I felt, very unfair. But anyway, look. That's the rules. People don't say, you know, David Coulthard, 14 times Grand Prix winner. Or 15 times, you're welcome for Spa 98. You're trying to make me feel small. Or 16 times, you're welcome, Mika Hakkinen, 98 <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> they, they don't they oh, go, David, who? Go. I have a violin in my case. Right. Okay, well, this is from Sam. And uh, he said that he's been listening to the episode where you, Eddie, were talking about team principles. And he wanted to know what it was like uh, in the team meetings of your day. Because I think this might be stimulated by Netflix has given us this Drive to Survive access where we saw... Uh, the much memes and, and, and quoted uh, little session between Toto Wolf complaining about porpoising and Christian Horner saying, you know, change your effing car. Um, and obviously there's an element of that's being filmed. Was it like that back in the day when you're sitting there with all the team principals and I assume Bernie was in the, in the room? Um, how was it? Those of you who either grew up or was part of the Bernie era will clearly know that there was only ever one leader, and that was him. Uh, he was the ringmaster, and he controlled absolutely everything. Whenever someone confronted him, he had a great ability to divide and rule. So if he thought maybe three people were ganging up on him, he'd have it make it sure that he would make it so embarrassing for at least one or two of those that they crawled back down into their little hatch and um, sort of be quiet. And that was he. He, he controlled, he was a master. Um, but, you know, he used to call me uh, a robber. And he said, um, the robber is about to say something, guys. Uh, you know, he had absolutely no regard for correctness or anything. But it was a joke, but it wasn't really a joke. And he would make it. And he said, Flavio, who was his friend, you know, you're making a mistake. You should stick to selling T-shirts because, you know, at least you know something about T-shirts. He called Frank, uh, who was... You know, very successful at the time. And he used to say, Frank, you know something? I think you're about the most devious person I've ever met in my life. And he used to come out and say these things in front of everybody and no one ever cared. He said to Tom Walkinshaw, was a classic. And Tom was there and he, Tom was always very well behaved and he had all certain good questions. But he put his hand up one day and said, uh, yes, Tom, what are you saying? I said, sorry, Tom, don't say anything. He said, I always know when you're lying. Tom, I always know when you're lying. And, of course, Tom was about to say, oh, how, when, Bernie? He said, as soon as your lips move. And, I mean, I'm <laughs> saying, Jesus, how can you say something like that? There's something sitting directly across the table. And Tom was about five times his side. Yeah, he he's owned a big Gloucester, rugby guy. Gloucester, Gloucester Rugby Club. <laughs> I mean, I always thought there was going to be fireworks. 
It was hilarious. Right, we've got another question here from a Dara Payton. Dara, that sounds like an Irish name, doesn't it? But uh, the, the These question... These are all my first cousins, by the way. Are they really? Oh, they must okay. be. Well, I think they must be. Yeah, well, Dara then, as a, as a relative of yours, wants to know, uh, where are the four trophies? I guess the four victories you had in Formula One he's talking about, um, two of which I directly contributed to. You're welcome. Um, he wants to know, have you still got the trophies or have you sold them or are they Aston Martin's factory because that ultimately was the old Jordan factory? Well, funny enough, I wish I knew. I think I get, did I not donate, donate something? You have this big shrine up in Scotland. You've got a museum and you've got everything you've ever had up there. Yeah. I mean, that must be very proud for you to walk through there. Um, I'm the opposite. Um, I do not have a roll of Jordan yellow toilet paper. I don't have anything. I have no trophies. I think Andy Stevenson came to me at the end of my tenure and he said, look, Eddie, um, Monza, I could be wrong. He said, I'd absolutely love to have uh, the trophy. I gave it to him. Um, it's a policy since I remember that I met Marie when she was 18 and she was an international basketball player. She never brought home anything when she got a cap or anything like that. And then when she was a, pretty much a champion at golf as well and captain of Sunningdale. So various different trophies that she would receive, it, they never came home. I never once brought home a trophy. I do not have a car. I do not have a helmet. I do not have a suit. The only thing I did find that somebody sent to me was a yellow DHL jacket, which I wore skiing recently, as you pointed out to me. And I'm quite proud of that. And I wish I'd kept some of the stuff, to be very honest. But a great friend of ours... Uh, in Monaco, who we cycle with, it's Harry Gibbons. He has on his wall the original 191 wind tunnel model. Yeah, and that's the model. only thing we have. And I'm not even sure whether it was a gift to Harry or whatever, but I know it's in good, happy, friendly family hands. And if I needed it back, I could get it. But I'm very happy that he has it because he takes joy out of having it. Yeah, he does indeed. And actually, we'll give a, give a shout out to Harry because not only did he uh, first approach Jordan when he was working at... Um, Oakley glasses. Uh, he, he drove to Silverstone, went to the Jordan factory and approached you about having some sort of supply deal with the team. And I think yeah, Jordan was one of the first teams to have the, the Jordan, um, you know, coloured uh, Oakley glasses. But since he has left that business, he set up a, an electric bicycle hmm. uh, company, the lightest electric bike uh, you can buy uh, called HPS. Well worth checking it out, listeners. And the hardware is designed by... Yes, go on. Gary Anderson. Absolutely. Who was one who designed your original Formula One the car. The most practical person on this planet. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm a customer. So when I you ever see any pictures on my social media when I've been riding a bike up a hill, I've normally had a little bit of an assistance. But That's I, cheating, David. No, no, it's not at all. When you, If we play golf and you're a scratch golfer and you're now off 18, there's a handicap system. So if I'm cycling with a professional cyclist yeah, uh, who's 20, do. 25 years old and I'm 52 then I've got 200 <laughs> watts up my Go sleeve on. and Tell it means you're out there with Chris Froome every weekend going up <laughs> and down to La Turbie yeah there's a lot of cyclists in the south of France anyway I can ride the hills with those guys and still get a good workout but I can keep up rather than getting dropped there's nothing worse anyone out, uh, listening who, who's a cyclist you'll know the the, the the lowest low is when you're out with a group of friends and you get dropped 
and then you're left all on your well, own. There's different stages of being dropped and uh, dropping off, and we won't go into that on this friendly family show. No, we won't. Let's actually then move on to one final question from a Ricky Whitehead, and he sent in uh, a bit of love. He's going, he loves the podcast. Uh, and a question to you, Eddie, as always. Um, do you still buy those very expensive shirts from London? Because this guy, uh, Ricky, apparently went into the particular shop um, that you used to get your shirts, and he remembers that you used to have a cutaway on the cuff so you could show whatever brand of watch you were promoting at that time. And he's saying here he could have bought a new Rolex for the price of the shirts that you used to wear. So what's the story there? Do you still do you still have those? And what's the most expensive well, item of clothing you've ever bought? Um, the shirt, Angelo Galasso. I mean, I, I feel a little bit sorry for Angelo because most of the stuff that he did and created was kind of wild to wear, but it created what I was... You know, I'm thinking about my persona. What is it that I need? I'm short. I'm older. I'm this. Uh, I just needed something, and I needed. I got a buzz out of wearing those nice shirts because people often refer to them. Yeah, people and, still uh, comment on it. And uh, Angelo Galasso, God, he was brilliant. And I think where he's lost a fair amount of trade is on the Russian side of things. He had to close a shop there. And uh, so the, the the final part of that question was. Um, uh, you know, what was the most expensive item of clothing you ever bought? But as far as I know, you, you've always blagged all your clothing. I've never knowingly bought anything. It's not really in my gift. My greatest joy last week, I was skiing in Courchevel. And I said to the lady, when she was asking me, I said, look, I, I want to get a ticket. And I gave her a pass. And I said, I read somewhere that you do something for people over 75. And she said, oh, yes, Mr. Jordan, they're free. She said, but that doesn't apply to you. I said, well, here's my passport. Why don't you do a little check on it? She gave me back £220 that I'd already prepaid for the pass, not knowing, and I took a complete gamble on the thing, and I got my money back. The luck of the Irish. Well, there you go. Right, moving this along a little bit, and I feel that you're going to have an opinion on this one, because you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you find it frustrating when rules and regulations are a bit confusing for the audience. Well, it's Baku this weekend, and it looks like we have a, well, we definitely have a slightly new format. So they'll be qualifying on Friday, which yep. will determine the grid for the Grand Prix. Okay, straightforward. Friday qualifying determines the grid for the Grand Prix. And then free practice two will be replaced with a separate qualifying session, which will determine the grid for the sprint race on Saturday. Are you still with me? Just, but it's confusing. How are we going to get the people to get that? I mean, come on. We spent a lifetime in this business and I'm just barely able to get that. I ask you a question, just one word. Why? For what reason? Entertainment. The, the, the reason for the sprint race is entertainment. They want but what to... they're doing is giving the game away. Because they want more starts, because they think there's more excitement and more crashes at the beginning. It's not unsimilar to what happened in Australia. Three starts. David, it's wrong. You know it's wrong. It's a, it's a farce. Get back to what we know is best. Let the best man win. Or woman. We're looking, and, and that's, that could backfire on us. That could easily backfire on us. I think there could well be a bit of damage in the sprint race, especially in a circuit like Baku. But we'll just need to tune in and watch Channel okay, You're a driver, coverage. David, and you're on third on the grid, and you're in the sprint race. Where is your mind? Is it in the race the following day to keep my car happy, or is it to get those six points or five points that might be available? 
Uh, well, in my case, I think I'd be very much in the moment, which is why we often see incidents in the sprint race, because if they were looking at the big picture where the big points are, they would pretty much play follow the leader. Yeah, okay. But that'll never happen. No, it won't, because the you know, lights go out, red mist comes down, and the, the inner and racing And all the heroes come out of the body, and boom, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. well, we don't have long to wait. We'll see what the outcome of that particular weekend is going to be. You mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh, you, you've put the final touches, you've added some you know, funky bits to your spoons and some, I don't know what word you use for taking guitar to another level. So you're obviously happy with this new updated version of the, the, the show's theme music. So uh, are you going to press play? We can have a wee listen? Yeah, we're going to press play because let's see what people think. Ah, uh, God, I hate to say this, but I think we found our new music. Oh, that's, thank God I don't have to go back to that studio. I just wore out my fingers playing that thing. That is good. That is good. It must be fun it putting is. it together. No, it's fun when you've got good people around you who are able to steer you around the little pitfalls. Your music is such a great art form in, in many respects. I don't see it that far away from motor racing. And because as a practitioner, I'm not able to drive anymore. I never could drive probably. And But, you know, being involved with a team and seeing what's going on. Um, for me, um, music gives me that outlet. Right, that's all we've got time for, I think, EJ. Um, we are in uh, at a rather nice uh, bedroom here with a double bed. It's taken me back to Baku all those years ago. Do, do you want to cuddle in and just have a wee snooze? You think for nostalgia, do, should, should we try? Do you remember which side of the bed you were in? Yeah, I was on the uh, right side as you lie on the bed, left as you look at it. I thought that was a really cool thing that we did. And it was fun. Well, look, they're, they're, as you know, and he'll remain nameless for the purposes of, of this, uh, I do share at Grand Prix very often with, uh, with another, another ex-racer. And I just love the banter. You know, I grew up going to kart races. Yeah, but you don't share the bed with him. No, of course not. We have two separate beds. But I have fun. I push them closer together because he doesn't like it. But, um, no, I grew up sleeping in a motorhome or, or a, a karting van with you know, anything up to eight people. We went racing as a family. So I'm always used to... Having anyone in who the room camping, and it is one of the great holidays people remember. I mean, you know, kids want to go to this three star, two star, five star, six star, whatever it is, these hotels these days. I've had the best crack of all time coming to the British Grand Prix in a scutty, crappy little tent. Yeah. And maybe six inside a tent for two. It was hilarious. But you had to drink a lot to be able to make sure you got through the night. And that's <laughs> what happened. But they're the things you remember. I do. I, I stay at the, the BRDC campsite uh, in a motorhome, not a tent. But I have five or six buddies in there. And I, when I get back from doing our television stuff, they've been watching. They've been having a couple of beers. They might have the barbecue on. It's absolutely brilliant. And that to me... Harry is one of them. Harry and, is one of them. And the ginger bangle. Uh, uh, and uh, Nigel Essam from Red Eye Events. And for all your, all your ticketing needs. All right, <laughs> EJ, we're going to have to wrap it up. They're going to charge us in the room if you don't get out. But uh, remember, you can subscribe to Formula for Success wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any episodes. And you can tell your pals too, please. See you next week. Great pleasure. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for the support. I do believe this podcast is 
taking traction more than you ever had in your Formula One days, David. Uh, okay, you, obviously now that we're wrapping up, you're not being nice anymore. So uh, <laughs> F U E J. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 